You're listening to the Guitar Heroes Podcast. Welcome to the Guitar Heroes Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely didn't just spend about half an hour trying to suss out technical difficulties, did we? Oh, no, not at all. It's just so easy, this. <clears throat> so yeah. just when we got started, we've had to change things a little bit. Mm. Coming to you today in a slightly different format. We're doing it from our individual homes. I just want to ask one question to everybody. Okay, mm. how many people don't have trousers on now? <laughs> well, Chris rarely has trousers on. I, I actually do have trousers on today. Anyone else? I just put a shirt on to look respectable for this. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. that's the thing, though, because we're, we're seeing this on Zoom. I mean, people that are just listening to this won't know, but we're, we're looking at it on Zoom, and all I can see are your top halves. I I'd say, I don't know. You could be telling me lies. <laughs> <laughs> so for those listening, uh, to give them a bit of context as to um, our setups here, you've got a Strat there, I think, Lee, haven't you? You're a... Yeah, I'm at home with my Strat. White Strat as well. My white one, as per the last episode. Mm-hmm. got my gold les paul and, and phil's Phil. got his white one i've got my i've got number one i almost feel like i need to grab my strat nah well see good, i did huh? this on the last podcast didn't i you i did. was like oh you've got strats <laughs> i need to grab my strat and yeah oh well oh, so well. we're recording this um and just blindly hoping that everything is going to work as i said we're all in three individual locations Obviously, because we are now under the UK lockdown restrictions. Today is the 5th of November. Remember, remember, the 5th of November. Gunpowder, Gunpowder treason, treason and plot. plot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, just when we got things up and running and uh, we got episode one done, we've now been forced back into our homes. So we're coming to you today via the magic of Zoom. And we're all going to try and sync this up later and, yeah, mm. just hope for the best. So... We'll see how yeah. this goes. But um, we should say thank you to everyone that has listened to episode one. And um, we hope you enjoyed it. We enjoyed making it. And we're moving forward with episode two. And we'll see what happens as we move through the next four weeks of lockdown and, and whatnot. So, yes, bit different, yeah. but the show it must is- go on, as they say. Indeed, indeed. And uh, should, we, should we maybe talk about a little bit what, what we've done this week? Maybe since since, yeah, little, or, or since oh, the yeah. last podcast came out, because um, but me and Lee have actually we've 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 done a show, haven't we, Lee? It's very have. exciting. <laughs> we yeah, have very, very exciting. <laughs> Just the, to really um, rub salt in the wound, we managed to get <laughs> at least yeah we managed to get in. two days in, yeah. and two days of gigging, and that was that. Yeah, but no, we we worked at um, uh, well Weymouth Pavilion, our local theatre. We um, we quite close to the theatre managers there. I've known them for a long, long time. And they've um, done everything within their power to keep the theatre open. And, you know, right when, uh, obviously, they haven't been putting shows on in the big room, but they, they've been in coffee and cakes and everything they can to try getting people through the door with the restrictions. And um, Phil from Weymouth Pavilion said, do you, do you want to do a, a, a uh, an intimate evening, um, which is basically up in the piano bar, and quite a laid back thing. There's probably 40, yeah, maximum 40 people in there per night. And uh, they said, do you want to come and do it? And I was like, well, yeah, that'd be cool. But I don't think I'd want to do it on my own because I don't think it would give a true representation of the show. Just a, you know, a, a, a 
guitar vocal type thing. Mm. So uh, so I asked Lee to do it with me, and it, it was great, wasn't it? There was uh, we sold out both nights, so there was about eighty people in over the two nights, and uh, it was really good. There was just just me, Lee, two microphones, and two guitars, and it was it was great fun, wasn't it? It I was some more yeah. guitars in in the photo, more than two, right? <laughs> well, we yeah. could only play two with two at once, like one each. But yeah, we I think we took about seven <laughs> or eight guitars with us, just because we you know why not some guitar shows because still. you can. We did, yeah. So, uh, what what nice. sort of songs did you guys play? Uh, was there a good selection of songs from the show? Yeah, yeah, I think there was. We we started in the 1950s, so we did stuff like um, um, uh, Chuck Berry and, and that'll be uh, that'll be the day, Buddy Holly. And we 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 did a couple of different songs that we don't do in the show. We did Take It Easy, The Eagles, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, yeah, love that one. And, love that uh, tune. Yeah, love so it. in fact, we agreed it's probably one of our favourite Eagles songs, that one, isn't it? That um, Iconic the song. The lick and that song, as it kicks into the song, there's like a, a nod, like cut an extra couple of beats, aren't there? And then it does that. Yeah. Uh, I just love that. It's such a simple lick. Do you get that? Um... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's they make it like, it's, it's just... like an ex, the bar's like a few beats longer, isn't it? It's really cool. But, yes. Yeah. But we had some fun, didn't we? Uh, yeah. You know, bringing that up to scratch with uh, mm. the, the small rehearsals that we got in, which was good fun. But yes, it was really yeah. nice to do a gig and just do some music again and see some smiling faces and have uh, have a night out just like the old days. <laughs> the days of your... Worried. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was quite worried because I was, I was thinking when the show goes back out again, obviously it's going to be a completely different world when we start touring again. Um, mm. But I was a little bit worried. Are people going to want to come out? Are they, are they going to be too scared to? And it's actually filled me with confidence that, you know, after speaking to a lot of the audience over the weekend, they were all saying we were desperate to come and watch something. And in fact, uh, not on our show, but uh, Ben Waters, who's a local um, boogie-woogie pianist, who's really good. Um, he did a, a couple of weeks before us. And um, I think somebody drove down from Reading, to, wow. to, to watch him because they said oh are you a big fan of Ben Waters they said no it's just the closest we could find with live music <laughs> so, <laughs> That's so people are desperate to get out yeah 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 no there was definitely that sense of um just people craving it and people so glad to just be out and just get to be involved in anything that just felt like normality um, and as you said, we did the two nights, which was fantastic. But on the second mm. night, we watched the announcement of the lockdown. <laughs> Literally half an hour before we go on stage, Boris is on TV, you know, saying, you must stay at home and whatever he said. And, stay and, at home, uh, don't stay at home. Or, don't stay at home, or, or stay at other. home, protect the NHS, <laughs> don't protect the NHS and all that stuff. And um, <laughs> yeah, and then we went on stage. So the, the second night had this slight tinge of like the last hurrah, wasn't it? Yeah, Everyone out. Yeah. For a good time, but it was like, <laughs> see you in a month, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, see you in a month. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I know we've, well, actually... uh, from the show's point of view, we've been, it's been a frantic week, to be honest. Um, really, we're getting dates moved again. Uh, it's it's absolutely hectic. I'm glad to do this podcast for an hour because it gets me out of the office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is lovely. Yeah, yeah. very it's, very um, strange. Very strange. Proverbial Hence... hit the fan again. It has, it has. Hence, why we are not sat in the comfort of your living room, looking at cookie mm. and dunking biscuits in our coffee. We are all in our own homes today. So, did you steal my biscuits? I didn't offer you any. Oh, <laughs> should I have not said that? Damn! <laughs> I thought they were complimentary. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah, I think okay. I had like six rich teas. <laughs> oh my goodness! That's my rations for next week. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So Chris, what have you been up to? Come on. 
Uh, well, I, I was listening back. I should guys... just say, actually, I was listening back to obviously the last podcast, episode one. If you haven't heard that, people go check it out. Spotify, Apple, have a listen. But when I was piecing that together and getting it uploaded, which was another learning curve. This is all about learning curves. The whole process of getting this going and learning Zoom and then getting it online and mm. stuff has been um, a bumpy ride. But we're getting there. But anyway, my point is, can I, sorry, can I just say something really yeah. quickly? Sorry, I don't yeah. mean to interrupt you, but if anybody heard a funny noise, then it's it was the doorbell that just rang. Um, and <laughs> oh, right. I was wondering whether I thought it was my computer. <laughs> sorry, <or> guys. Sorry, <laughs> but it was an important one. Even I've interrupted because it's the uh, the Eddie Van Halen guitar has been delivered. Really? I, I can't say anymore. You sure it's not a takeaway? <laughs> well, it's uh, it's 20 past 11, so I'm hoping it's not. <laughs> a, I'm hoping it's not. <laughs> Start as we mean to go on. Day one of lockdown. Yeah. Phil's having oh, the, the curry at midday. The, the Papa Jones pizza's arrived. I'm off. See you, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, where was I? Where, what Sorry. were we saying? What were we saying? Oh, yeah, Chris. I wanted to point something out. My point was going to be <laughs> that I felt like... I, I I need to give Chris more time to say what he wants to say. He's the new he's the new kid on the block, as we said last time. And <laughs> my other half was saying, "Bloody hell, it's just you and Phil nattering on all the time." Let Chris get a word in. <laughs> and what have we just done? I started to say that, and then we just cracked on and started talking. So anyway, Chris, oh, what have you been up to this week? Well, anyway, um... did you hear about the? Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Chris, put your trousers on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give us a sec. Um, <laughs> the, um, the, the second night you guys were out, um, the other half of the show was actually out doing a gig, myself and Al. We, um, Al called me up at like, uh, it might have been one o'clock in the afternoon or something. It was like an impromptu gig. Um, oh, I can't think of the, um, it's a holiday park in Weymouth. Um, Chessel Vista, I think. Um, so yeah, just an impromptu gig there, Halloween gig. Um, so yeah, we went there and bashed out a few songs. It was uh, quite a bit, quite a bit of fun. Um, had some fun with some pumpkins. They hit, literally had uh, rotting pumpkins all over the stage. God, the smell was horrific. And um, uh, yeah, I, I, they, I was putting the desk on on one of the tables, and the table had a pumpkin on it. Literally, the table collapsed. The pumpkin splattered everywhere. Nice. And, and Al almost <laughs> fell ass over tit, like slipping on um pumpkin juice and. It was quite a fun gig. Um, uh, but other than that, um, done some remote sessions, recording at home. Nice. A um, little bit of teaching, and that's it, really. It's yeah. uh, very limited at the moment. No, mm. Not really much going on. But... So strange that we all found ourselves yeah. out doing a gig, first gig for months and months, and we managed to get at least one or two in. And then, uh, <laughs> and then so here we are. I think Phil's dying, I think. <laughs> Phil, you okay there? No. <laughs> oh dear I'm, I'm having a moment here hang on not that we're oh I was going to say not that we're, we're endorsed or sponsored but we actually are by Vocal Zone. <laughs> I'm just about to have one <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's the coffee coffee's drying my throat out just it's got sure too it's much not the tea in it <laughs> Yeah, oh, I think that's yeah. why this podcast is a, a little more tame for me. I just got a standard coffee. You oh, have you? Same without Tia Maria. It's a bit boring. Come bit on, Chris. Bland. Now we're locked down. You need to pop something stronger in that. You need to get some whiskey. It's not like some... I could drive anywhere anyway. No, no. I've got to drive somewhere this afternoon. Have uh, you? Yeah, I've got to go to the vets. 
sort my cough out. <laughs> I was going to say, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the dog and the cat this time. So, oh. yeah. Yeah, essential and the cat. Yeah, yeah. She's got a little spot on her eye, so we need to get that checked out. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm oh. glad uh, we're talking about my, my animals on a guitar podcast. <laughs> it's, good, isn't it? yeah, it's going well, isn't it? It's going well. So, oh, yeah. um... So yeah, uh, what was our what was our topic of talk for today? We as if if you have listened to episode one, um, hopefully you remember that we were sort of thinking about having a plan for every episode, and as you can see, that's really playing out nicely at the moment. Um, well, to be honest, I think well, what with everything that's that's happened, you yeah, know, we, it was a rush getting gigs in, and yeah, um, obviously things been really busy for me, and you know, and and Jay moving shows again and what have you, yeah. Um, yeah. And then the announcement on Saturday, it's kind of thrown you a little bit. And it's, you know, I mean, I guess there's a lot of people out there that was hoping that everything would get more normal-ish. And then all of a sudden it just stops, you know. I mean, lots of things are going to be closed again. And, and uh, you know, I, I, everybody's sick of this topic of conversation, aren't they? But, I mean, it does affect musicians massively, does this? It you does. Know, absolutely yeah, yeah. massively. No, you're right. You're right. I really, f- I've, I felt like things were uh, moving forward, and what we've been able to do those couple of gigs, it felt like, oh, okay, well, maybe next year things will be getting back to to normal relatively quickly. But then this happens, and it just, it's not so much this itself, but it's how long this then drags on, and how how slowly we come back out of this, and the knock on effects of that that then taper mm. into weeks and months after it, and. Most importantly, Christmas. I love Christmas. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. want to, you know, I, I say we register, uh, Bill, let's register your studio there as a place mm. of work. Pay us all a penny so that we're officially employees <laughs> on the books. So I'll pay you anyway. What are you on about? Well, well, <laughs> and then we, we need to have a big, uh, a big staff meeting, I think, to discuss very, very important projections for next well, year well you know d- d- all joking aside you know yeah i mean this this is business and there are dates in the diary for january so yeah you know uh, uh, where do you draw the line on business i, I mean the economy's got to start somewhere hasn't it again you know it's got to it's got to be yeah. boosted somehow and if meetings are important i mean my life is spent with meetings these days i used to mm. be a guitar player you know yeah I used yeah. to I used to think oh great well what have i got to do today oh might pack my bag and go to a gig, you know, mm. and, but it's not like that for me anymore. It's it's all, uh, yeah, I will bore everybody with it, but it's, you know, the guitar playing's become a very small part of what I do for the show now. It's, yeah. It's, but I, th- yeah. I think as soon as you um, turn music into a career, I think you suddenly, that business side filters in a lot more as the years progress on, I think. Mm. And you're always thinking more about numbers, so much playing a lot of the time, and obviously mm. running the show as well, like, definitely, I can see. Haven't, it makes you kind of put your guitar down for long periods of a t- at a time. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, more sat, you know, more the, sat at the computer, you know, and mm, yeah. Well, the, I mean, the, a lot of people rely on this show working, you know, for their living. There's probably I don't know, fifteen people or rely on on part as part of their living on this show, you know. Yeah. So the minute we take our foot off the gas, mm. then you know we're affecting people's lives, and we can't do that. It's, yeah, you know, it's really quite important to keep it going. It's never thought I'd be in that position, but hey ho. I think that ties into what we were sort of discussing in episode one when we were talking about that line between a job 
and a hobby or a passion, a calling, mm. whatever you want to mm. say. Um, and I think, I think there does come a point where you, whatever you do, if you're a professional guitar player in any sense or professional musician, or f- certainly for you, Phil, with the you know all the all the dealings of the show. You're gonna have to do those other bits, and it it seems to be the musicians generally that are successful um, are the ones that can do that other stuff as well. Because I don't yeah. know about you guys, but I'm sure we've all met fantastic musicians who could, you know, play their instrument or fantastic singers, whatever they might be. But that other side of it is a is a struggle. And I think that's probably quite common because it's a very mm. obviously creative industry and those people that naturally have a flair for music don't naturally have a flair for, let's just call it organisation or mm. that that kind of side of it. I think that's yeah. a real tough part of our industry, towing that line between being able to do the two, being able to hop on stage. And Phil, you're probably the, the best example of that because you you do have all the stresses of the show more than mm. we do um so on a show day you're having to deal with all of that right up until seven thirty or whatever it is and then second the you know the minute it flips to showtime we then have to hop on stage and be performers and not yeah. let any of that carry over to your performance and that's the same mm. for that can be the same for whether you're in a pub whether it's a wedding band whatever there's always going to be all that work that has to happen behind the scenes just to make those two hours on stage or that hour on stage whatever it Mm. is possible and being able to do the two is probably ultimately what leads you to be able to maintain it and have any kind of success i was watching um uh, a little bit i'm a big fan of the trans-siberian orchestra i think that's oh yeah amazing yeah yeah amazing and uh i was watching a bit of youtube the other day and and they're um obviously they're not going to be doing much this year like everybody But um, I think it was a couple of years ago, they were, um, it was a behind the scenes look, and they have 40 um, articulated lorries, 500 crew, mm. um, there's something like 25 on, or 30 people on stage, and yeah. oh, it's incredible. I think, I, think, I think he said they had something like 200 pyros going off throughout the night. Wow. And, it, you know, it's an incredible show, and, you know, wow. and, and they keep the tickets less than $100. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, which you think uh, that's uh, amazing what you're going to go see, you know, for less than $100, which, yeah. you know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, this is what I say. This is a bit of a, this is not a rant. This is not my rant for the day. Oh, go on. I'm, no, go on, uh, Phil. No, go on, no, Phil. I'm going I'm, I'm to add a new it's section. Actually, rant. <laughs> actually, we should just jump in and say there that I said at the start of this that we've had half an hour of technical difficulties <clears> to get this going, but actually, <clears> we've had. A little bit more than that, because this is the second time we've attempted to make episode two, isn't it? So we actually did meet up Mm. when we were able to and tried to record episode two last week. And we ran into some real technical difficulties because we were recording in a different place. No, but I do remember on that day, before we Mm. tried to sit down and record, you said, oh, fellas, I've got a rant for today and I'm going (laughs) to save it. So maybe you can give us some ranting today. Uh, okay. Well, well, I'll I'm going to give you I'll give you two small rants. Okay. How's that? And that'll make up for the big Phil's rant. Strap in, use. Chris. Strap in. Here we go. It's going to be emotional. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so, um yeah, so uh, going back to ticket prices, okay? 
um, that you get some of that Trans-Siberian Orchestra that try to keep the ticket prices low because they want to sell out arenas. And then, and don't get me wrong, I'm a massive, massive Joe Bonamassa fan. I think he's fantastic. But when he came over here, like up to places like Plymouth, he was charging £150 a ticket to just watch a dude on stage playing guitar. You know, and you look at, you know, who's got like one loot and van with gear in it. And then you, you get like Trans-Siberian Orchestra that's got like 40 Arctics. And, you know, you you think, mm. but that's just a slight rant anyway. That's that, I just think it's really cool that, the you know, TSO, as they I, call them, I, I, are, are keeping it, you know, within the reach of they keeping keep it, it affordable and, um, and mm-hmm. they give incredible value for money. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. the thing. And I, I went and saw um, <clears throat> uh, Snarky Puppy not too long ago. Um, they were, the ticket price was, I think, it was like maybe eighteen pounds, mm-hmm. and I think there's incredible show. more than like, eighteen of them they're... in that band, isn't there? Yeah, and that was a support act as well. Who they just every musician on stage was, you know, of the highest caliber. Mm-hmm. Eighteen quid a ticket. It's like you know, you would go every every month, wouldn't you, at that sort of price to go and see them? Yeah, and... yeah. Well, the, again, um, it's the same old thing with. I mean, like us, for example. I think we probably start at around twenty four pounds a ticket. Um, you know, and we've got two large vehicles that go out on the road. Um, I also know other acts, um, other shows rather that that you know they're they're charging the same amount of money. I mean, we take full lighting rig, we take PA, we've got thirty odd guitars on stage, you know, all that. And there's other people that turn up in a car, you know, with nothing and charge the same sort of price, you know. And I just think, well. You know, the, in some respects, for me, the ability is not so much as important as as the production, because you go to watch a production. It's okay being an absolutely phenomenal guitar player, but when you get, you know, a massive production going out, that is, me personally, I find it far more entertaining. I'd rather go watch Tina Turner than Joe Bonamassa, you know, because I just like to take the whole thing in and the whole production of it. I get bored easy, you know. So. <laughs> But, but it's uh, it's about lights and and everything, isn't it? I think mm-hmm. um, it will as to the experience. But you know, when Joe Bonamassa is charging one hundred and fifty, is that dollars or is it stone? pounds? Yeah, yeah, one hundred and fifty pounds. pounds. Yeah. Well, it's never really one hundred and fifty pounds if you're going as a couple. That's three hundred quid already, and then you're thinking about accommodation, travel mm-hmm. on top of that. Suddenly, mm-hmm. it becomes it's like oh, it's a holiday, isn't, isn't it? it? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, yeah. I, I think I think price is price is not necessarily always a it's not a guide to quality and i don't mean that no. obviously it's, you'd never fault the guitar playing at one of those shows or anything like that but absolutely it, not it is, I, I get what you're saying phil i think i think mm-hmm. when you go to it depends what you're going for i think certain gigs for me i love a small gig i think if you're there to see a musician and you're there mm-hmm. to really just get engrossed in the the kind of music of it some of the 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 gigs that stand out in my mind for that, I've seen. Uh, you know, I'm a bit obsessed with Brothers Landreth and Joey Landreth. I've seen, mm-hmm. I've yeah. seen him play. I don't know two or three times now, and they have been like the the tiniest little gigs. When he comes over here, or when they come over here, they they played a small little place in Bristol that was just amazing, and then a little pub in Winchester, <laughs> and it was like, as far as a musical experience went, it was incredible because you could hear you could hear the voices acoustically in the room. They were just pulling back right. off the mic and just singing, and you could literally hear it there in the room. You could hear 
the strings on the guitars, you were that close to it that that that's about as good a musical experience as it's going to get. But mm. if you're talking entertainment and you're talking wow factor, then mm. I think you're right. That Tina Turner gig with pyros and lights. And in yeah. my mind, if you go into a stadium <clears throat> or you go into a big venue, you're going for a show because let's face it, you're so far away from these people anyway that you're not there to get that kind of an intimate musical experience. You're there to have your socks knocked off and have like yeah. an amazing experience, which I'm sure we've all had as well. So mm. definitely mm. Uh, it's a fair point. Lights, lasers, big stuff, entertainment. It yeah. is entertainment at the end of the day. When you get to that level, that's yeah. what it's all about. Absolutely. I saw, I saw Brad Pay. I'm a, a huge Brad Paisley fan. It's probably... My favourite guitar player ever, Brad Paisley. I think he's fantastic. Mm. And I saw him um, as his Shepherd's Bush Empire years ago, and he was he was great, you know. But he was a band. He was just a band, you know. There was him, and he had his band, and it looked like just a band on stage. And and after about three quarters of an hour, I, I did get a little bit bored. I'm completely honest. That once the initial that's Brad Paisley, you know, and and you know my I love you sign got ripped up, you know. As a, <laughs> <laughs> marry me, Brad. <laughs> what you're saying is once you'd been escorted to the back of the room by security, then you got yeah, a little yeah, bit bored yeah. of everything. Once I yeah. found my way back in again, I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but then when I uh, when the, when you see shows in America and he's got mm. the big video walls and yeah. you know and everything going on and the you know the big runway that comes out into the audience, yeah. it's a completely different animal you know it's like yeah chalk and cheese isn't it and i and i would pay more to go watch that bigger production than, mm. than what i would to you know go see a smaller thing but well maybe it's also maybe it's also a a result of those venues being that large i don't know mm. which came first chicken or the egg did people want to make productions bigger or did people want to make venues bigger because i would see it that if i was putting on a show I would tailor my show to the venue. So if you're going to, you know, mm. if you're going to come and see my show, if I'm going to do it in a small venue, it is going to be focused on the music. It's going to be up close and intimate and you're there for that reason. But as the mm. venue grows, I think the production has to grow with it to Absolutely, still offer that yeah. value for money and deliver something that ultimately is going to be an enjoyable experience. Mm. If you go to Wembley and it's just a band that are fairly static and there's not much to look at, not gonna it's not gonna you could see that same band in a small venue and the experience would be so much better because you're going to be that much yeah. closer yeah when you scale yeah. the venue up i think everything has to go with it you need to deliver that kind of experience and that's where the production side of it comes in definitely and costs I think go this up is where but... the um 80s bands are great van halen for instance you know um <laughs> Big stadium. Oh, nice segue there, Chris. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought this would be a good way in. But, you know, you take the music as obviously the music, tick that box is amazing. Great guitar, great vocals, great drums. Yeah. Great lights. Sound is awesome. Unfortunately, I weren't around to, to experience those, those sort of gigs. But, um, but, mm. but from, you know, footage I've seen, they just look incredible. Steve Vai, you know, uh, with David Lee Roth as well. Just awesome. Yeah. You see, Steve Vai. Steve Vai is a prime example of um, putting on a production. You know, he. I saw he, him in Birmingham years ago, and mm. amazing. Oh yeah, I mean, I've got. Has anyone got the um, Live at the Astoria DVD? 
it's no. really it's great yeah. is that no. I'll lend you the lasers isn't it yeah yeah well that's the thing he's doing a small venue it's I think it's around Christmas time he's doing this small venue you know Virgil Donati on drums and uh, Dave Wiener on guitar Billy Sheehan and uh, Tony McAlpine and it's really you know the, the, the squash done there you know they look just like a you know a band playing in a pub type thing mm. but he still comes out in all the costumes and like Chris just said he's got the lasers on his fingers and he's throwing his guitar LED he's still, lights on the neck. Yeah, yeah, he has. Yeah, yeah. He, he's still, you know, the tiny, ve- tiny venue, and he still does as much as he can in that venue to, you know, for an audience experience. Yeah, he comes out wearing. Um, oh, I, I've got the DVD. I think he comes out wearing Prince's like face mask or something, doesn't he? Yeah, something like, like they that. They come out yeah. playing Shy Boy. That's the song that he did with David Lee Roth, and it's just chaos as the song as the show starts, <laughs> and it's just. Everyone can't like you can't get settled because it's just mental and just yeah. guitar work and yeah yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's a prime example. I saw him in Birmingham a few years ago, and obviously had like a variety of guitars as we do in the show and uh, three neck guitars, <laughs> like uh, you know the three neck he uses and uh, just just amazing songs are really good. But mm. there's always something going on, you know, with exactly. uh, lights and always something yeah. just as things kind of settle, something changes and keeps your interest peaked. So Definitely. I'm gonna. Um, Actually, I'm going to be controversial here because I think this podcast is all about Mm. honesty and truth. And I think this is going to open up good discussion. But Uh I've never really been a fan of Steve Vai. I Shut up, Lee. But but, but (laughs) I'm I'm also willing to admit, I think, I don't know about you guys, but I think that's partly just because I've never, I probably haven't listened to enough. He kind of falls into that category for me where it's not that Mm. I've made my mind up that I don't like his music but i always seem to have this list there's like a, in my mind there's an ever-growing long list of artists that i need to get around to and need to give the time of day because i know yeah. that they're household names whether in the mainstream or just among guitar players and very often when i eventually listen to those players i'm like oh now i get it and now i see what all the fuss is about but i don't i just feel like he's not enough time in the day. There's always going to be people on that list. And as mm. it shrinks, as I knock people off, there's other people being added to it when I hear another name. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know much about him. Not, you know, not, can't say I'm that into it. And I think Steve Vai for me has always yeah. been, uh, he's, he's been on that well, list like, for I a think, while. Um, he, he doesn't always seem to reveal everything he can do as a, as a musician. Obviously, he mm. obviously started off in Frank Zappa's band. Yeah. Um, obviously a graduate of Berkeley as well. Um, and obviously went on to join Whitesnake, um, Alcatraz. So <clears throat> as well as uh, just a solo guitarist. Wait, he was in, he was in Whitesnake? I didn't know that. Yeah, he Did joined you know in, that? in 1990. No. Yeah, in yeah. 1990 he joined Whitesnake. And um, yeah, so he's, 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 a, he's a great guitar player in his own right, but you know, a great musician in a working band. Right, so I think yeah. He t- for me, ticks all the boxes. He's not like um, just... You know, just a solo guitarist with his own career. He's, as a, you know, as a solo guitarist, he's really good in band environments. And maybe that's what it is. Then really maybe well. I'm not as familiar with those things because I have to admit, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of. Or I've just never really got into like instrumental. I, I mm, like guitar no. playing, like instrumental guitar playing, but I'm not I, drawn I've, I've to never like been a fan of shreddy guitar instrumental myself. guitars. No, no. I, I only, think I only came across from Vi through through White Snake uh, and David Lee Roth. Um, mm, that's mm. the only way I, I kind of came across him and obviously then looked into Passion and Warfare and things but 
There's also, I think, um, you get people that you'll... I mean, Chris is um, Chris collects vinyl as well. Um, there are certain albums that I can just listen to over and over again. I don't think I would ever buy a Steve Vai album, but I right, would watch okay. him. I yeah, prefer, yeah, I, yeah. I prefer watching him in concert rather than just because to to me, if I'm li- I don't I don't actually I don't have the time, but I can't sit down and just listen to an album, mm. you know, and do nothing. I don't mm. have the time to do that. But as I'm doing other things, I will put an album on and I'll listen to it. If I'm just hearing constantly, you know, guitar playing, you know, for for like an hour, you know, I, I, it makes me want to go. I don't know. <laughs> do something drastic <laughs> you know it's like i can't stand much more of this but but i could watch steve Vai all day yeah i know what you mean i know what you mean i think there's a lot of artists like that you you tend to be you tend to fall into either the sort of very listenable very musical guitar player or artist in mm. general or you have those artists that are obviously clearly more of a performer or a live artist mm. someone who needs to be appreciated in in the live format yeah, versus yeah. the recorded but yeah i, I think but, i um my my the, the the sort of introduction i well, probably wasn't an introduction but where i knew him the most growing up was in um uh crossroads the film yeah yeah great film. you know at the of end of course that is just that's just amazing mm. and jack and for, butler yeah for <laughs> me that butler? was yeah, that was yeah. butler, amazing because he yeah. played both parts didn't he he did mm. he did older karate kids bits as well well, Rai Kuda did the slide, but I think when it, you know, when he does he all, starts... the, um, all the, uh, the, the Paganini classical stuff, was it the, uh... yeah, or something like that. I, I don't even know. But uh, that was, uh, um, that was Steve Vai. He did both yeah. bits of that conversation. Yeah. So, so he's cool. done, he's done loads of stuff. He was the guy who did, um, you know, the Bill and Ted, um, the, uh, the, uh, Oh really? When they do the, they do the air Excellent. guitar thing, that that that's Steve Vai. Was it really? Oh, oh brilliant. wow, brilliant! You're listening to the Guitar Heroes podcast. So many of my earliest experiences with guitar players came around that age where I wasn't really old enough to buy music. You know, I wasn't going out and buying the records or the CDs of those artists, but I was listening to compilations that my parents hmm. might have had, or I'd go to Woolworths and I pick up like. The greatest air guitar tracks, three, pure metal, nineteen ninety two. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think I had one, and it had Yankee Rose on it. Mm. And I remember that, you know, that wow, 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 the beginning, whatever it is, <laughs> <laughs> all of that stuff. And it was like, wow, what is that? That's I don't cool. quite have the guitar to do that. Phil's got a uh, in the back there. I can see, I can see the. Um, I've got an Ibanez back there. Yeah. The Ibanez. Yeah. He's got a jam, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. But yeah, in general, I was able to play. I, in general, I think um, I don't know how how you Horrible. guys feel about <laughs> instrumental electric guitar stuff. I I, I I'm not a, a big fan. Um, the only reason I like Vi is because of his background working with White Snake. I love '80s rock mm. bands, and and for me, I, that's why I think I enjoy him and watch. Like Phil said, I enjoy uh, watching him live. Um, as I mentioned, I've already seen him live, and I've got the story DVD. Also got the G3 DVD, the 1996 with oh, Eric Johnson. Eric Johnson, yes, I also yes, I do remember that one. That, that was, was cool uh, for me. Like that was really good because it made. I, I think Eric Johnson's presence made Vi play a little different uh, to what he would normally do. There isn't so much of that um, 
competition as far as like oh this guy's shredding really well i need to kind of up my game or something it was he was like he could sit back and play some bluesy stuff and it was great no here's my point about showmanship again and, and production okay my favorite g3 i've got three dvds i've got the one that you've just mentioned yeah um i've got the one with john petrucci and i've also mm, got yeah. the one with ying vei Malmsteen. And okay, I'm sorry, yes. Ying Wei blows them all out the water as far as like <laughs> a showman goes. He's you get the you get the you know he's he's got the oh no I must mosh you know and he's he's throwing his guitar everywhere and the band's as tight as you like and it's just yeah. phenomenal and it's just I just want to go I love you Ying Wei you know <laughs> and then you go watch the John Petrucci and I may as well like go watch a load of paint dry. It's just so boring. <laughs> oh. God, I, it's I, boring. I, I kind of a, I kind of agree. It's a little, um, just a little stale for me. But uh, watching Angry, I, I completely agree. He's, he's got. I, I don't know how he gets that sound from a Strat. It's, um, yeah. I think he's got his own signature pickups, but it's just insane. It's, it sounds incredible and just, just mm. flawless playing. I used just to know somebody very... um, who went on tour with him. He, he was a truck driver, and I said, "All oh, those marshals that he's got, you know, are they all on?" He went, "Oh yeah, <laughs> they're all on. Yeah, they're all on. <laughs> yeah." I think that's there's, there's... two examples of people who fall nicely into those categories, because if you listen to uh, Petrucci's work and listen to Dream Theater, obviously it's very technically written. There's lots of music theory kind of ideas in there mm. and it's you can see it's the sort of thing that has been constructed with a more thought out kind of process mm. whereas Ingve is is that a dramatic performer and off the cuff sort of yeah like... and i don't know but i i think he's incredible he's a freak of nature and i every now and again you just need to listen to Ingve to remind yeah. yourself of what is possible but um, and then it's watch not him that... do it live while he's doing big kicks and throwing his guitar up in the air, and it's just as note for note as what he's yeah. on an album. Mental. But it's not it's yeah. not the sort of thing you're going to sit down and go. Do you know what? I fancy just <laughs> just listening to a bit of Ingve on a Sunday afternoon. It's well, that, that's you my hear... point again about watching watching music or listening yeah. to music. And Ingve yeah. is definitely you watch it. Yeah, for me. So yeah. Chris, we need to keep our eyes out then because when we eventually do go back on the road, if we see Phil. Suddenly wanting to slip in <laughs> to some nice leather spandexy leather PVC trousers, and he's coming out doing kicks and stuff. <laughs> and he's saying, more, the thing is, is, uh, "More is more." Uh, but the thing is, you look at the guitar players we've named: Malmsteen, Petrucci. They, they for me don't fall as a guitar hero, right? Not yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't no. know. Whereas I think Vi, he's accomplished so much and just set new boundaries as uh guitar players like van halen have you know like they they seem to push boundaries and um and for me yeah fall into that category of being guitar heroes not so mm. much malmsteen do you guys agree um I'd i guess say that malmsteen mm. would, would be a, a guitar hero for me because who else is okay. doing what he's doing yeah i guess it i guess it begs the question it opens up the question um what makes a guitar hero really mm -hmm. because i guess if you look at it from a personal point of view everyone's heroes are going to be different but if you're looking at it from a very general sense do we mean that to be a hero you have to have had a certain number of years under your belt i.e the heroes are the people who influenced a lot of our modern heroes i.e you know maybe no further forward than the 70s and 80s or 
do you think there are still heroes, guitar heroes today that are influencing the next generation? Hmm. It's a, I know it's I know that's a big, big topic and everyone's going to have their own answer. But it's interesting to think about what makes a guitar hero. That's because a really difficult some, question. Because there are some people that are iconic, like absolutely iconic. Obviously, people like Jimi Hendrix, but they had a relatively short career. And then you can have people who are going to be playing guitar and making records, you know, for decades and decades and mm. still maybe not achieve guitar hero status. I think if you look at a real guitar hero, you're kind of looking at the people that have done it first. Right. You know, Clapton. Pioneers. Hendrix. You know, I mean, I mean, Hendrix as a player probably wouldn't stand up these days to, to, to people like Malmsteen and, mm. and Vi, you know, technically as, as a mm. player. But what he did, he did first and probably without Hendrix. That, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I've got a phone call from Alan Varnfield. Have you actually? Oh, stick him in, stick him in, stick him in the chat. <laughs> put, it so can put it on speaker. Shall I do that? Yeah, uh, put him yeah, on speaker. Hang on, see if I can do this. Al, Al. Uh, hang on a minute. I've got. To, I've got to say, we're actually recording a podcast right now, and I'm going to put you on the microphone, so you can actually be part of our podcast. Say, say hello to everybody, Al. Hello, everybody. <laughs> the star of the show is, has arrived. Shut up, Al. <laughs> I'm only joking. Am I really on the microphone being recorded right now? The next you podcast are. that you goes are. out, Al, you are going to be on it. You're actually on the microphone now as we speak. Uh, is Chris and me there? Yeah, they're yeah. there. Yeah. Yes. Hello, chaps. You, you can't hear them because we've got headphones on. But the right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> Lee, Lee and Chris have just said, "Would you mind going away? You're interrupting." <laughs> What's the topic of conversation today, then, guys? Is it? Let me well, get. Is it guitars? Well, it's not drummers, Al. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a real phone in. This is great. What, what are you guys chatting about today, then? Well, we've just been chatting about all sorts about the you know going back into lockdown and how it's affecting musicians, and now talking yeah. about you know difference between just standing on stage and playing and putting a production on and and all things yeah. like that. And then we we started talking that we we got a bit of interference down the mic, and it were you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm here for, mate. You know me. Well, I won't keep you any more, then, guys. You carry on. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, give me a call back when you can, mate. All right. And. Bye bye everybody. Look forward to seeing you all on stage again soon. I hope we'll, we'll get we'll get you on the chat soon enough. I'll because um, we at the minute we're we're all in separate locations. So we're doing um, ah. we're doing it via Zoom. So um, it'd be dead Great. easy to get you on there. So maybe uh, well, there's space in the screen for him. I think so. Uh, yeah, space on the so, screen. So maybe the next I don't know two two three years we'll get you on it. I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me, mate. All right, guys. We'll take care, and I'll speak to you soon. All right. Cheers, Al. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs> Sorry about that, that guys. Great. Wrong number. <laughs> that was great. Uh, and oh, he didn't. He, he managed to not say anything too controversial, which is. Oh no! Well, when I answered the phone, I was expecting to go, "Hello, beep, 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 with beep." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I oh, completely brilliant. forgot what we were talking about now. <laughs> what we're we talking about. Um, um, what makes a guitar hero a guitar hero? Are you talking about Hendrix not standing up? Uh, to buy uh, and yeah, it, uh, nowadays, but, yeah, but look, they did it first, yeah, but, which led the way to people like Vi. Yeah, I, I agree to a point, but you try and get someone to play Little Wing or something, you know, those choral mm. um, solo type approach to guitar is, is still very difficult to play. Mm. I think trying to get the feel that he had, I think not many guitar players can do that. And my point exactly, he did it first, didn't he? 
He did that yeah, without exactly. any, you know, without any, you know, with, uh, I try sound like Jimi Hendrix. I try play like him on the show. He did it from where? <laughs> he just did it himself, didn't it, he? Exactly. It's like, where, did, where, did, where does that come from? And mm, yeah, mm. it's amazing. It's yeah, one, I think this is one of the really, um, this is one of the most unique things and one of the best things about music, isn't it? And art in general is because there's never mm. going to be a right answer to questions like this because it's all so personal and there is no right or wrong. Mm. Whatever you classify someone, the, the criteria that you use to classify someone as a guitar hero is going to be different for every person. Because yeah. I know for me, I am entirely song-based. I, I struggle with music. Um, it, I struggle with music that's not presented to me in the format of a pleasant song that's going to stick in my mind and I'm going to really enjoy. <laughs> so some of the best, and, and I think particularly with guitar playing, some of the best players fall outside of that. And that's why for me, I'm never able to digest them very easily. The people for me who are the heroes and the people for me that always will stay with me are those people who have managed to get their guitar playing within a song that sticks with me. I think mm. the perfect example is someone like Keith Scott, Brian Adams, perfect yeah, yeah, guitar yeah. playing for the songs. Yeah, just, yeah, and great sound, great tone, just just everything. Richie Sambora did it for me in Bon Jovi. He always had great yes. solos in their songs. Great vocalist as well. I think uh, Bon Jovi yeah. would probably, I think at times, probably thought, "Geez, this guy is, is pretty good." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did he leave or was he pushed? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I was thinking about it the other day and I was thinking that if that most of my favorite guitar players and most of my guitar heroes, they're probably only there in my mind because of the band that they found themselves in or because of the songs that they played on. Hmm. I think and and that I always have to remind myself of that because it's very easy as a guitar player to get so focused on the playing itself. And but then you remind yourself that there are players like Malmsteen who are who are just freaks of nature in terms of technicality. But mm. for me, and this is entirely personal, I get everyone's different. I'm never going to enjoy Malmsteen's playing more than I would Joe Walsh because I find Joe Walsh's playing within an Eagles song, which I'm always yeah. going to enjoy. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I enjoy the song more than I enjoy the guitar playing, and actually sometimes. You, the song glorify, glorifies the guitar playing to a point where you idolize it and you think, this is genius. How could I ever recreate this? But actually what you're doing is you're getting absorbed into the song. And the reason I know that is because for this show, I've gone away and we've looked at isolated guitar parts just to get the sounds and some of the mm. feel right. And mm. when you listen to the isolated guitar part on its own, you go, actually, it's great, but I understand what he's doing there. I could probably figure that out. But because it falls within the song that's so fantastic, yes. it suddenly gets elevated to this godlike status. I mean, <laughs> someone like, let's look at Angus Young. He, he is undoubtedly a guitar hero, the very mm. pin, you know, the very definition of a guitar hero. Um, but take his guitar playing out of ACDC, and mm. he's not Malmsteen. He's yeah. not, and he's also not breaking any grounds in a sort of pioneer sense he's taking things that have been done before and obviously replicated heavily mm. after and if you strip away the live part of the show and the performance part of it um his guitar playing is what it is but 
stick it in an ACDC song and mm. stick it at the right moment in that song. And all of a sudden it is the best thing ever. You like, you can't beat the intro to Thunderstruck. You can't beat the guitar solo in Back in Black. Like, mm. Because of totally everything that's around, it's, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and I think, like you said, the songs are a big part of that. That's why I think uh, the guitar heroes we have in the show, the mass public, I think, recognize these heroes because of the music mm. more so than their actual playing. Yeah, mm. Mm. yeah. Absolutely. You put some, you put like Malmsteen into the show, maybe you know seventy or eighty percent of the audience will be like, Who, "Who's this?" Yeah, yeah. Just Although because they, they don't they, recognize them, they, they may enjoy my leather trousers, though, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> This is the flip side. It's like, you know. <laughs> and if they don't, we will. Yeah, yeah, especially when the rippers, I'm jumping off the drum riser. <laughs> Hang about, I'm stood behind you on stage. If that goes wrong, I'm seeing it all. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be seeing anything ever again, I tell you. <laughs> uh, I mean, another example of about as iconic as you can get, Slash, okay? Mm. Mm. If absolutely 100% the definition of a guitar hero and an icon when you consider the package as a whole when you consider you know the silhouette of the top hat the big hair the low slung Les Paul Mm. his stage performance and totally unique player has his own thing his own sense of rhythm and his own feel you know it's slash that's true but Mm. in terms of pioneering and terms of you know inventing he's he's not got the benefit of being alive in the 50s where things were happening for the first time or the 60s so he's not got that Jimi hendrix exploding onto the scene thing yeah and but he and he's also not malmsteen so he's not this freak of nature how do you physically do that but what he is is he's slash in guns and roses so the november rain solo is always going to be the november rain solo because of november rain the, mm. the, you know, the Sweet Child of Mine riff is always going to be the Sweet Child of Mine riff, not because it itself is any feat of technical genius or, mm. you know, but it's, but it's that song. It has isn't its it? own, yeah, it has its, its own thing going on, doesn't it? It's yeah. own identity, you know, so much. And, but mm. at the same time, I think those, those solos he plays are, are still tough to, to play. Oh, I'm not saying that. Has... I'm, I'm not saying they're, they're not tough. You no, know, no, I know. They but are. They're, tough. they're not. They're not groundbreaking technically. There are a lot of guitar players who could probably play them, but you know they're still to a certain level. But uh, more so, you're saying his stage presence, the top hat. I every time you think of Slash, I think of the top hat and a yeah. Les Paul. He's an icon, you know? but it's I think almost... it's the it's the context, yeah. isn't it? It's the context yeah. in which that guitar player is presented to you, and if it's presented to you in the format of a fantastic band or a fantastic song then chances are that guitar player's work is going to be held up or of, highlighted, of elevated to that godlike status. So I've just, I've just thought of something. I've just sort of thought of something here. Then I'm talking about guitar heroes. Name an out-of-the-box guitar hero. Right, okay. Um, I'm going to tell you mine and you might get an idea. Who, who I think is just a phenomenally technical guitar player. But I think he's got the feeling in it as well. And I think um, Guthrie Govan is one of the best guitar players of all time. Prime example. Prime example of what I'm probably trying to explain not very clearly. Guthrie Govan, hands down, one of the... Nobody could dispute that from a guitar playing point of view, 
one of the finest examples that there will probably ever be. Mm. But is he a guitar hero? How many people outside of a very small... I mean, I, w- I would say there's even people within the guitar community who, who aren't familiar with his work, couldn't name mm. you a single song, don't know anything. And that, com- that comes back to this thing of... The music and the songs. He, it's not been presented to people in an easily digestible format. It's not been presented to people in something that's going to become part of their life and stick with them the same way I use Joe Walsh again, but only mm. because we talked about take, uh, I know he didn't play on take it easy, but an Eagles song, if you're into that or whatever, a Zeppelin song, they're going to be with you forever. And therefore mm. you're constantly going to be reminded of that guitar player's work. And it's going to, you can sing the, you could sing the guitar solo. You could hum it, yeah. you could whistle it and it becomes part of you. Whereas for me, players like Guthrie, they're there as almost like a case study. I, I would flick onto iTunes and listen to it to remind myself, <laughs> oh, wow, that is possible. But it's not something that's in my daily, weekly, monthly life. I'd never listened to oh. him, to be honest, in that way. I, I like watching videos of him. Um, right. like the, the, yeah. the, uh, he, did, um, he, he toured with Dizzy Rascal for a while. And, oh, yeah. and to actually watch him play, there's a solo that he does on uh, a fretless guitar. Mm. And it just blows your mind you're going a oh. vigier yeah <laughs> so, uh, but, but what you said earlier phil he has he has really good feel <laughs> as well like yes. it's not very kind of robotic or very kind of stale yeah. like you know uh, he has like something organic about his his approach and it's like his vibrato it's yes. quite you know um, it's just he sounds like a to me he sounds like a 70s guitar player who has the chops of someone like steve Vai and beyond yeah maintains yeah. that feel of like you know like scott gorham or someone you know just mm. um yeah, yeah he, well, he is definitely something special but it again it comes back to the way it's presented in a non-digestible mm. way mm. the general public probably won't know who he is um but yeah but it's it's hard though i think trying to find someone outside of the box who ticks mm. all those boxes i think it's um mm. Mm. Uh, but for me, growing up, Peter Frampton is is my all time greatest guitar player, um, oh, interesting. favorite guitar player. Um, I grew up on uh, vinyls like Fleetwood Mac, mm. Rumors, um, Lizzie Buckingham, great guitarist. <laughs> yeah, um, but Frampton comes alive, um, which is it's here. I've got it. Tons in the cupboard. I don't know. Uh, Frampton comes alive. Um, just just amazing. It was using the voice box. The first time I ever heard anything like that, and. Uh, just his approach as well um can play over chord changes and stuff but like just great songs as well mm. i can sing all the songs he's a great vocalist and for me i think that's the thing it's the, the music more than anything and mm. amplifies how good the guitar playing is we've just gone full circle haven't we we've just gone through all like these guitar heroes and, and basically gone <laughs> i think the production's quite important as well you know other than the whole package and uh, two of my favorite concerts that i've ever seen Again, and it's not about technical guitar playing, it's about the songs. I think Top of the Tree was Brian Adams um, when he did the 18 Till I Die tour. Mm. Uh, so I'm in Sheffield oh, Arena. Wow. It was fantastic. Um, what Was that Was that when they were a three-piece, that era? Uh, no, no. Um, they, uh, it was Keith Scott, obviously, Brian Adams. Yeah. Um, what's the drummer called? Guy with curly hair. Um, yeah, and they had, I think they had a keyboard player and uh, the bass player. 
So the, the, and, yeah. and yeah. I remember where he opened up with um, the only thing that looks good on you is me, and uh, the lights just went bosh, went off, and and all of a sudden there's like ten supermodels just walking up and down the stage. And we're going, huh? What's going on? What's going? On? And then Brian Adams comes out, and oh, it was just a, it was just fantastic. And another um, that sticks in my mind again, not technical guitar playing by any means, but status quo. They are great live, yeah. or were great live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's a great example. Someone like that who they almost mocked themselves, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. For the simplicity, they did the search for the fourth chord yeah. and all that sort of yeah. stuff, but. Listen to listen to the intros on those songs. Listen to the rhythm parts. Mm. They're simple, but they're iconic. And those songs you, will stick with you forever, won't mm. they? So is that is, in my mind, that is heroic guitar playing. Yeah. That is playing that deserves putting on that pedestal because of the songs that they went on to create. Yeah, absolutely. When, when I've seen Quo three times now. And, and the last time I saw him was at the Bic in Bournemouth. Um, oh, it was probably, yeah. it, was, it was quite a while ago. And so Rick Parfit would have been, oh, well, a lot older than me, than I am now. And and the guy who's mm. running up and down stage for two hours, you know, it's yeah. nonstop. <clears throat> I mean, his guitar yeah. was battered. I'm surprised it actually worked all the way. He was beating the hell out of that thing, you know. Mm. And the energy was just you know i mean that they had their younger players have got uh john rhino edwards in it on bass who's who's a lot younger than yeah. they are and they, they have to keep changing the drummer because i'm sure they wear them out <laughs> you mm. know it's just like yeah. full-on for two hours it's... We're, we're put them in a put them in a wheelchair <laughs> yeah yeah get us, get, get us another drummer <laughs> mm. but they've changed the drummer again you Grab know the stretcher it's yeah Great energy. I think, actually, would you guys agree that perhaps Van Halen, the best guitar hero of all time? All time? Because, Ooh. yeah, because he has the songs, broke insane boundaries with playing, Yeah, just played the way he wanted, mm. um, and had great energy and stage presence, had everything. Yeah, I think he definitely has that signature sound. I think the way he played was a very natural, very feel-based approach. And like we were saying the other day, Chris, he, he plays things that aren't necessarily conforming to any one particular musical theory idea. He plays things that are scales that are almost he just added, he's well, made up. No. So they're entirely signature Entirely well, like um, I was learning the solo to jump the other day in the yeah. um, the bit at the end. I, I won't play it up to speed. <laughs> it blew my mind. But was uh, that's the uh, the scale run. Yeah. I don't even know what that is. What is it? It's yeah. It's um. 15, 16, 18, starting on the A string. And it goes all the way up to the high E string from there. <laughs> yeah, perfect that, that's example. It. But it doesn't make any musical sense. It's completely out of key to the song. Yeah. But it's the way he wants to play. It's, you know, and... Um, but it was a really good pod podcast with... Um, uh, Joe Rogan and David Lee Roth, and mm. they're talking about the way Van Halen constructs his solos. And I think this is what makes him very unique as well. Mm. He would do like every every solo take he, he did was live. 
Yeah. And he would probably do about like 10 or something like that. And then it would be a, a case of then composing uh, solos from all these different takes. Yeah. They would take, I'm going to take this lick up here. Then I'm going to, you know, move to this take over here where it's got this little bit down fret number one or something. And then at the end, piece it all together. And then Van Halen's like, man, I've got to learn this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and they end up to be, you know, you watch him play, and uh, um, David Roth describes his solos as work of gymnastics. You know, his arms constantly up and down the fretboard because mm. of these takes they compile together, and I think you know that makes his solo sound really unique. And for me, that's that's one of the biggest things when I listen to Van Halen is his solos. Yeah, they just sound a little out of the box, mm. like don't conform to any musical theory, but have an energy that just just works in, in the song and the music. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he definitely fits the bill into, well, quite a, he ticks quite a few boxes, really, because he's got that pioneering thing where he obviously moved guitar tone and guitar technique along when Van Halen 1 came out and he was doing all those modifications to his amp, his guitar, um, and then the, the technical uh, advancement, advancements, you know, finger tapping and things like that that he brought the heavy use of the whammy bar all of that was very new so there's that sort of pioneering aspect to him of bringing new things to the table like you say he's got the songs the the roth era stuff they've got so many bangers thrown in there that have become amazing you know iconic anthems in themselves Uh, but then he's also got that feel thing and that unique where he didn't try to become a master of all different styles of guitar playing. And I think that was probably because he was always a band-based guitarist. I think there's a lot to be said for someone who works mainly within a band and mainly within one band, and they develop a sound together. So Eddie Van Halen is Eddie Van Halen, but he's really at his best and he's his most iconic when he is held up on that platform with the band supporting him and he's developed his sound and his style to su- to suit his band and it's that sound that has been kind of ingrained in us all and so much of his sound was figured out or was was literally from him from his mind and that's he, going back to angus again though isn't it angus young yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the, these guys eddie van halen angus young you never saw them moonlighting with anybody else did you no no. They, they, they were Eddie Van Halen is Van Halen, you know. Yeah, Angus well, he did Young, that. Yeah. ACDC, that Obviously, he did the Beat It solo, but he, he yeah, by then yeah. he'd already he'd already formed. I think so much of that is true just for those formative years. But mm. he he's mm. still in that even in that environment still takes Van Halen. Yeah, that moment in that Michael Jackson song is this is now Van Halen, and yeah. it's not trying to fit into Michael Jackson's sound or anything. He just does his thing, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he'd already but, um, found his voice, he'd already made it, he'd already yeah. carved it out. I I think you can hear that just in the first Van Halen album. So obviously it did develop from there, but he came to the table, Van Halen won, the sound was there. Everything mm-hmm. else from there is minor tweaks and subtle changes as he matured and the band changed, obviously. But you can see that that sound had already been carved out and he knew exactly what he was doing and he developed all those techniques that were so personal to him so yeah. definitely ticks the boxes pretty much across the board for it an does icon. make a strong argument just those those tick boxes alone to you know consider him as one of the greatest of all time mm. but again it's down to you know 
you know, personal opinions and people's experiences as to you just said it there, Chris. One of the one of the best, you know, greatest guitar heroes of of all time. Because you get somebody that's into sort of the cleanly type sound, the Albert Lee Mm. type sound that'll go, oh god, that's some noise, isn't it? Yeah. So you know, they'll go, oh, Albert Lee's the greatest guitar hero of all time. It's like, do do you pick one for a style of music? The greatest guitar, the greatest rock guitar hero of all time, maybe. It's everything combined, isn't mm. it? I think. Mm. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. No, yeah, that's, I guess, that's a good point. I guess looking at the time, we this would be a good time to, um, you know, maybe to wrap up. Think about going for a coffee and um, yeah. Yeah. I, Chris probably needs a toilet. Well, we got break. we got loads to chat about anyway next time. So. Yeah, and we we we'll have to get our um, our furry drummer in on uh, pretty soon as well. I think. Not not just yes. as a phone so maybe, guest. Um, so maybe after this podcast ends, um, maybe we could get everyone to uh, maybe write in, see who their favorite guitar heroes are, and maybe why. Give mm. us um, yeah, definitely everyone's thoughts so, are with this. And- like we said in episode one, we really want to engage with people that listen to this, um, particularly now more so than ever. Now that we've headed back into a lockdown, this is all about having some social contact and um, filling our days with something positive and productive. Mm. So please do reach out to us. Um, any questions with regards to any aspect of the stuff that we've discussed, music, guitar playing, the guitar show, life in the industry, your guitar heroes, your music preferences, any anecdotes, it's all good and it all will fuel our future podcasts. Um, we really like to feature some of you guys on it. So shall I do a few social plugs and then... Tell Absolutely. people where I've got them all written down here again. So on Instagram, if you want to find us, you can find us individually. Just search for Phil Walker guitar, Chris Anthony guitar, and Lee Troy guitar. And of course, the theatre show is Story of Guitar Heroes. So search Story of Guitar Heroes. On Facebook, it is uh, Phil Walker guitarist, Lee Williams guitarist, and remind me again, Chris, because I said it wrong first time. Chris Anthony, guitarist. Chris Anthony, guitarist. I've written it down wrong. And of course, the theatre show is Story of Guitar Heroes on Facebook. And you can go to the show website, which is storyofguitarheroes.com. Send us comments, messages, anything you can through those um, through those socials. And yeah, we'd like to feature it in future and have more of this moving yeah. forward. So, Oh, there's YouTube as well. Did you say YouTube? Oh, there's YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you YouTube. search Phil Walker, guitarist... Um, there's there's like guitar demos and there's behind the scenes show stuff on there and um, obviously that's that's quite interesting if you want to see visuals and please rate review and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it on Spotify Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts if you hit the subscribe button then when we load a new episode up it will just be dropped straight to you and you can continue your listening enjoyment or hopefully enjoyment hopefully it went okay do think I don't mind it yeah. actually. I, I, I think I might stick to this, and then I don't have to hand out my rich teas. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, I'm going to get the kettle on, and I'll see you guys next time. Being a pleasure. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye bye. Lee, if you're listening to this, I, I, you will be listening to this, won't you? The software is running. I'm taking my trousers off now.